From opposition research and pack management to digital campaigns and websites, Get Elected has everything you need to run a successful campaign for local office. Get Elected is the only marketing agency in the United States exclusively for volunteer Republican candidates and committees. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, joined by my trusty sidekick, John Schneider, the executive director of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, and our trusty producer, Dazzling Daryl. Dazzling Daryl's there with the board, and uh, we're looking forward to having a great show on this glorious Labor Day weekend. Uh, You know, one of the special guests we have who's coming up right now I mean, is a glass ceiling breaker. This woman was first elected to the Pennsylvania State Senate back in 2008, and she now currently serves as a Senate Majority Leader for the Senate of Pennsylvania. She is the first woman in the history of the Pennsylvania legislature to serve as Majority Leader in either the Pennsylvania House or Senate. Please welcome our special guest today, Senator Kim Ward. Welcome, Kim. Sam, it's so nice to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. I mean, we're, we're excited to have a guest of your stature on our show. I mean, uh, I don't know how much you know about the elephant in the room, but uh, here in the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, you know, as we've been growing and expanding, we wanted to extend our reach and give Republican officials, elected officials, and candidates the opportunity to come on a show and really to expand or expound about the things that they're working on. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's happening in Harrisburg uh, and whatever, but not be restricted to like a short soundbite, you know, which all too frequently happens with the evening news. So we've got this radio show here. And as you know, our, our folks are listening to us live here on Saturday, you know, where we broadcast live, where we broadcast from 1 to 2 p.m. And we're also available on podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple. So there's a lot of different ways that folks can listen to us. So, you know, our conversation today is going to be heard by many folks out there. So, hey, you know, I want you to tell these folks, you know, give them the, give them the uh, emotion here to get them out to the polls here this November and vote for our candidates. Because I know we have a big race here in Allegheny County. We have a, a races across the Commonwealth, as we know. We have governor. We have U.S. Senate here in Allegheny County. Mm-hmm. We have a very important Senate seat that we are trying to take back. It uh, one time was um, occupied by Senator Volokovich, and now it is with the Senator Williams, and we have uh, Representative Lori Mazgorski running for that seat. And, and I know that Lori... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know Lori's out working hard. You know, I see information. Right. I see uh, things on Twitter and social media from her showing the door knocking that she's doing at the event she's attending. You know, how do you think that's going? I think it's going well. I think that seat is uh, up for grabs. You know, the the uh, Democratic senator currently holding it. It could be classified as one of the AOCs of Pennsylvania when you look at the voting record. Oh, my. Um, well, definitely not, um, uh, you know, what Western Pennsylvania espouses when it comes to education. She voted against the education budget. It was a, a, a record-breaking budget for funding our public schools, which when we do that helps to keep our property taxes down. But not only did she not vote for that, she didn't vote for the $100 million in school safety grants. Can you imagine not voting for money for school safety grants and $100 million for school uh, mental health programs? I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I can't understand um, that either. But that, that is the record. I mean, that's the record. Well, I think so, that I think that Lori is going to have to get that message out. You know, as part of her I, campaign. She's working it. Yep. She's working it. She's working it. We're not going to let her stop. So, you know, that's a, that's a big race. And I, you know, as I, I go across the state and I talk to people, you know, we have some bruising primaries here. We had bruising primaries. The mm-hmm. Democrats didn't for governor and for Senate. So we're having a little bit harder time getting everybody back on the same page. You know, we have to do this. We where there are no perfect candidates. There just are not any perfect candidates. We all, but when it comes down to basically what you think, we all agree on things. So we need to work together. We need to select these people. You know, I, I, I tell people, look, maybe someone's not perfect, 
running for, you know, a state house, Congress, a U.S. Senate, whatever. Maybe that candidate is not perfect, but that candidate is a number. And, and Congressman Murphy told me this years ago, mm-hmm. all we are are numbers, meaning whichever party controls the most uh, representatives or congressmen or senators, whichever party controls that, controls the agenda. So if you don't want to see some of what the Biden administration is trying to do ever hit the ballot, ever hit the floor for a vote, mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't want to see that, you need to vote Republican. If you are happy, I heard Dr. Oz say this, and I couldn't agree more. If you are happy with the way the country's going, then by all means, vote Democrat. If you are not happy, then you must vote Republican. Well, I, I couldn't agree more with that, although I would disagree with you. We said there's no perfect candidate because I think Senator Kim Ward is a perfect candidate oh. for Westmoreland County. <laughs> Okay, Okay, I'm going to buy you a milkshake. (laughs) I'm going to take you up on that. I like strawberry, okay? (laughs) Okay. But hey, no, no, listen, your point is is the same thing that I've been preaching, uh, you know, across this Commonwealth since the primaries ended. You know, I told folks, you know, the primary, that's a time when we can all pick our flavor, okay? But now that that's over, we have our slate, and everybody needs to come together and support that slate from top to bottom. And I'm excited, you know, next week, and we're going to have a senator. Excuse me, Senator Mastriano is going to be in town. You're here in Allegheny County. He's going to be out there in the North Hills and here, stopping at uh, RCAC. And uh, we have Dr. Oz is going to be in town on Wednesday. Uh, he's going to be doing an event with uh, Dave McCormick. You know. And, and, oh, very good. I didn't know. I wasn't aware. Yep, that's going to be at the uh, the Fez out there in uh, Beaver County here. Uh, 2.30 on Wednesday, the 7th. You know, you have Guy Ressenthaler has a fundraiser. He has uh, Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas, in town that day. I mean, there's a lot of things happening. You know, after Labor Day, that's when things start to kick into gear. And that's why I'm not somebody that pays a lot of attention or has gotten alarmed at these polls, you know, that have been bantered about, you know, in the past couple of months. And, and they're across the board. I mean, if you look at a couple of the polls this past week, Senator Mastriano is in uh, within the margin of error. You look at another poll, and he's not. You know, I just think that's a snapshot of that particular moment. And what has been happening with Senator Mastriano is they have painted him as a bad guy, right? They're painting him. They're they're every. You hear their their mantra. He's dangerous. He is not dangerous. Right. You know. And well, it, it keeps on the most. Ridiculous things. So let's take this week, for example. He was uh, a few years ago at an event. I think it was at the War College where he taught, incidentally. Well, that was eight years ago. That was eight years ago, 2014. But they were told they could dress as a historical figure. Mm -hmm. And he taught there. And they're making it out like he's a confederate. That is the most ridiculous thing. I mean, it's ridiculous. And... You know, the issue we have had, I think, on our side is, you know, they have just been, Josh didn't have a primary. Senator Mastriano did, and it was bruising. Um, And uh, Josh Shapiro didn't. So they're spending money just beating the crap out of him, and he's still trying to um, get everybody on the same page, straighten out the, the stuff they're saying about him that's not true, and be able to respond. So, you know, I just, I just uh, uh, am not... I see the things you're doing. When I saw that, I go, no, this is ridiculous. This is getting into the absurd. This is just stupid. Well, well, it it absolutely has. And, you know, media has called me up repeatedly. I said, oh, imagine this. You have a guy that has a Ph.D. in history, okay, and teaches history. The War College, and like you said, uh, is invited to dress as a historical figure, you know, so comes in a a uniform here and – you know, these folks are going crazy. And I tried to remind some of the media figures that reached out to me that, you know, they didn't start tearing down statues until 2020, okay? And this was six right. years before that. But, you know, you're absolutely right. It's crazy. And, you know, you have uh, Josh Shapiro out there, you know, the attorney general, who hasn't done his job, but he's trying to take not. and paint Senator Mastriano as an extremist, yet Josh Shapiro spent over a million dollars in the primary boosting 
Senator Mastriano. So if he really felt, if it was true that he felt that Senator Mastriano was an extremist or a threat, what does that say about Josh Shapiro? Well, I can tell you what I'm tired of not hearing mm-hmm. when it comes to General Shapiro. I'm tired of not hearing how, you know, he, he the, let's take the, for example, the other day he said he is distancing himself away from the Wolf administration with, with COVID. Listen, buddy, you sued nursing homes during COVID. Rachel Levine forced COVID patients into nursing homes, and then you sued the nursing homes. He sued the nursing homes. He sued the little sisters of the poor twice, not once, twice. But where is he when Philadelphia and Pittsburgh were burning in 2020? Where was he? He was nowhere to be found, nowhere, you know, to help put assistance into these cities. And he had the ability to do it. He had the ability to do it, but he was nowhere to be found, didn't say a word. Um, you know, and he, he's saying, well, you know, he defended the governor's policies during COVID because it was his job as attorney general. Well, it's also your job as attorney general to defend, um, you know, when we, we do some legislation and you're not. So he didn't want to touch the Reggie. Reggie is a regional green gas house initiative that's going to cost 27,000 trade jobs, mm-hmm. good paying jobs. And it's really ridiculous putting Pennsylvania with all these natural resources into a pile of states that don't have our natural resources saying that we're going to lower carbon. We're not because the businesses are going to move across the border, right, to Ohio and, and West Virginia and other places. But um, the point is, when it came to that, he didn't want any part of it. He hired an outside law firm to do that, to do take that work on. So he picks and chooses what part of his job he wants to do. Well, exactly. And listen, uh, obviously he supports Pennsylvania being in Reggie, although he won't oh, come yeah. out and say it. Because otherwise, he would just come out and say, no, if he was elected governor, he would withdraw us, okay? But he doesn't want to take and upset the radical left environmentalists who are part of his coalition. And Well, he, he doesn't want he, – he is, he is rope-a-doping us on this issue. Oh, yeah. Come out. You're either in support of Pennsylvania's natural resources and the 27,000 union jobs that come with it, or you're not. Yeah, absolutely right. It's very, very risky. Sam, it's very risky to elect someone who won't tell you where they stand on things. It's well, very risky. Well, that Once tell- they're there, you can't get them out. Well, you know, I'm somebody that believes, you know, silence is actually telling us something. Okay? It's telling yeah. us where he's at. He just is afraid to come out and suffer the ramifications, you know, of making that announcement. Hopefully, our folks and our friends in the building trades are going to recognize that he's not a friend of theirs. And remember that on November 8th. Now, he is no friend of theirs, and he is no friend of coal. He is no friend of our natural resources. Pennsylvania has so many natural resources that we were the reason that, for the first time ever, that our country was a net exporter of energy a few years back. Mm-hmm. And now we're not. Yeah, we were energy independent as, you know, in 2019, He's you know, crushing, until the pandemic. Crushing policies, crushing policies. Yep. So, you know, we'll see. And, you know, some other things here about, uh, you know, uh, General Shapiro, right? And this guy went and defended, you know, like you said, all of Governor Wolf's policies, claimed it was his job. I'd like to see his campaign finance reports and how much money he's taken from the teachers unions because you saw the news on that was released on Thursday that post-pandemic fourth grade test scores have suffered the worst drop in decades. Mm-hmm decades you know what have we done to our children and this yep. was all done and supported by general shapiro yeah it was, yeah he was suing he was defending the governor you know I, again i can't i keep going back to he sued nursing homes nursing homes that were forced to take these patients by rachel levine he sued them oh yeah i mean i can't that's just unbelievable. Well, I mean, in addition to suing them, he sued the little sisters of the poor twice. Okay. What? I mean, this guy, not only would he be the third term of Tom Wolf, but he's a mean Tom Wolf. Okay. He'd be worse. He's going to be worse because he is, uh, you know, I could governor Wolf wasn't so, such a political animal, but um, I don't think that, that this position as governor is 
what Josh is looking for uh, in his final um, in his final stop in politics. Oh no, it's, there's no doubt. He's told people. I mean, he wants to be the president of the United States. Okay, and this and this is just and this is just a stepping stone. Okay, yeah. but again, how can somebody that doesn't do the job they have today, like when we point to Philadelphia? And the record crime and homicide rates there, right? And you, the legislature, gave him the ability to act on that violent crime there. And he didn't do he anything. Did. He did nothing. And then this year, they came to us and wanted us to, to run a bill and give him the ability again, because that ability ran out in 2021. Mm-hmm. So, like, why? So you can run on it? You've had it from 2013 to 2021, and you did nothing with it. Nothing. Right. But now it's political, politically expedient. Well, I think so, I think people should take note that when the uh, Fraternal Order of Police had their state convention up in Erie a couple of weeks ago, you know, Josh Shapiro went up there and just strutted through there, expecting to get their endorsement, and they chose not to endorse him. Okay, <clears throat> and I think that should tell all the people within the Commonwealth, you know, where he stands on law and order. He's certainly not out in front protecting them. They. They did not endorse, the state police did not endorse the highest law enforcement official in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah, it, I think it tells you everything you need to know, right? It's, it tells me a lot. tells me a lot. Now, one of the things that, that took place this past year, it was redistricting. Mm-hmm. And I was a loud and vocal, um, I don't say opponent, but I weighed in. I was unhappy with the process, particularly how... It related to how it affected Allegheny County state house yeah. districts. You know, yeah. When I had Carrie Del Rosso, who I mean came out of nowhere, knocked off Frank Dermody, you know, minority leader in the House, and you know he happened to have sat on. I think he sat on the board at Pitt, and then the former chancellor comes along and just draws her out of her house district, right? So, yeah, it was uh, it, it, you know, they. They thought their job, and it's not their job, was to make everything fairer. They kept saying, well, who wins the statewide elections should have the majority. Or like, So in other words, why bother, right? We'll just let Philadelphia and the city of Pittsburgh determine everything that happens in the state. Because that's not how it works. And uh, they, we fought. We fought as hard as we could. But mm-hmm. we're definitely... I thought an unfair process that they just did kind of what they wanted. You know, we had to fight them back hard in the Senate. We had to fight back. They mm-hmm. still, I think, stole two of our seats. Um, and, you know, you just can do the best you, best you can do. But then the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania let it go. I think the state house might have taken it higher at this point. Up, may have taken it higher up. But, you know, on the on the positive side, they should hold the house this year. It should hold. Um, you know, we've got to watch this abortion issue because it's uh, they're, they're lying about it, right? They're oh. they're lying about the, how the Republicans feel about this, and they they're using it. They're, that's all they have. They don't have anything else. Well, they have nothing else. The Democrats have nothing else to run on. What are they going to run on? Uh, I think Joe Biden's approval in Pennsylvania is like I don't know thirty percent or something. Really, really low. What are they going to run on? Are well, they, they going to run on changing the definition of uh, a recession? <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they absolutely don't want to talk about record inflation, sky-high okay. gas prices, you know, the invasion at the southern border, you know, baby formula supply chain shortages. Overdoses. You know, crime, overdoses. right. Record fentanyl overdoses and things like that. No. So they want to take and scare people with abortion. And here's the thing, and this is something that I've been trying to get out uh, from a messaging standpoint to people that I've talked to, women's access to abortion in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania today is no different than it was the day before Dobbs was announced. And it's not its not going to be. They did not change the law. They right. just changed who was uh, ultimately responsible for the law. Exactly. They did not change the law. But for Ex- some reason, you can't get that through. You know, they are they're just determined to continue saying what they're going to say because they have nothing else. I mean, they don't, what are they going to run on? Killing energy jobs, closing down pipelines, their gasoline, you know, $4.50? 
Uh, you know, we're, we're celebrating it because we're not at five. Are you kidding me? Yes. Uh, it's it's, they're, it's unbelievable. Well, you know, you talk about that. Look, at the state level, they're running on abortion because, like you said, they, there's no positives for them to talk about. They certainly want to deflect from the damage that they've done to our businesses and to our children. On the national level, I just saw resurrected. You had, uh, you know, our Senate candidate, um, the Republican, excuse me, Democrat Senate candidate, John Fetterman, trotting out the old trope that Republicans want to cut Social Security and Medicare. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but they keep bringing it up every election. And how do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's, that is so stupid. I don't even think anybody would believe that anymore, do you? I mean, are you kidding? Well, no. He put no. something out. He claimed that Dr. Oz was uh, was heard on a hot mic. And it's like, BS. You know? I mean, right. where's the Let's proof? Hear Let's hear it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's the same thing he tried to say. Yeah, he also tried to say that Oz said on a hot mic, if he were elected, he would ban abortion. That's absolutely, again, another lie, right? Because Dr. Oz has been consistent from the very beginning that he's pro-life, but with the exception of rape, incest, and health of the mother, life of the mother, okay? Right. I I mean, it's just, but but, but this is what Republicans are up against, and you know, help us understand or help our listeners understand what are the challenges that we're going to be facing next year in Harrisburg? I mean, Governor Wolf is swan song. He was just in Allegheny County the other day trying to uh, paint the Republicans as bad people because we want acquiesce to giving everybody a $2,000 check. Okay. Well, you know that he kept talking about that, but he never actually legislation. I don't know about up to this point, but when we left in June, there was still no legislation to do such a thing. You know, it's a talking point. It's a political play. He gave that $2,000 up so that he could have $850 million in recurring uh, revenue for education. That was a trade-off. He traded that off. Right. So, you know, it's just just the the same old Democrats, the same old swan song, like you said, they're going to cut Social Security and Medicare, which is so stupid. Um, We won't give people $2,000. Well, again, they're just trying to buy votes. And really, essentially, that's what it is. I mean, Biden's trying to buy votes with this giveaway, you know, forcing building trades people or waitresses and bartenders or, you know, people who've never gone to college, trying to put them on the hook and make them pay. You know, for the college yeah. educations of uh, lawyers and doctors and gender studies, you know, folks, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I couldn't agree more. So couldn't agree more. Well, hey, All right, tell, tell us what's on the agenda for you in Harrisburg when you go back next year. So, well, next year is a uh, a long way off. Um, when we go back this fall, we're just going to be cleaning up some of the bills that we had. Um, you know, I've been discussing earlier, mm-hmm. uh, nothing that's going to shake the earth. We are actually, the Senate is in nine days. Uh, two of those are non-voting. The House is in, I think, two weeks. Um, and we, we don't go in after an election because uh, we're lame ducks. It's a lame duck yep. session. So that's not fair to the, um, the taxpayers of Pennsylvania to have people who aren't going to come back or lost making major decisions. Okay. So, you know, next year's a long way off, but I, I can tell you that, you know, we focus mainly on making sure that we're going to keep doing whatever we need to do. Like we have helped with a business issue, which helps with an employment issue to make sure the Pennsylvanians are able to uh, have a job, a good paying job and support their families and live their life. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, Senator, I know that you are working extremely hard and very busy traveling the state trying to raise money for Senate candidates. If someone, if any of our listeners wanted to help out, how would they do so? Where would they go to sign up or to donate? So you could go to the Senate Republican Campaign Committee. The SRCC is what it's called. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's a link for that. But uh, that's where we would like checks to be sent. 
because we use that money to help all of our candidates. We we have polling, and um, we kind of oversee all of the all of the races to make sure that the ones that we can absolutely win are. Um, or funded the way they need to be done. Okay, and and that website would be www.pasrcc.com, correct? I don't know. Well, I'm looking at it. You you trust me, okay? I trust that's, you. That's the website. So, folks, if you want to help Senator Kim Ward and all the Republicans running for Senate this year in Pennsylvania, please go to www.pasrcc.com. Kim, thank you so much for joining us here today on The Elephant in the Room. You're welcome back anytime. And listen, uh, anytime you want to get a message out or you have something you want to activate, you know, the people out there, please don't hesitate to reach out. Love to have you on the show. Okay? Thanks, Sam, and thanks for what you do. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And folks, we're going to take a break now. This is Sam DeMarco. You're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. When it comes to winning elections, data is everything. Get Elected's state-of-the-art voter management app allows volunteer Republican candidates and committees to quickly sort and segment their local voter base. Map your walkbooks and even send custom text, email, and direct mail pieces to the voters you need to reach. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Folks, welcome back here to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Again, I'm your host, Sam DeMarco here, and welcome back for the second segment you know, we had a great first segment. We talked to Pennsylvania Senator Kim Ward, you know, who's also the head of, she's a majority leader, you know, in the Pennsylvania State Senate. And we talked to her about many of the things that that she's involved with today and the issues that are front and center here. We are joined today in our second segment by someone that's very uh, familiar to me because, as a matter of fact, she's my state representative in Pennsylvania's 44th legislative district. Please welcome to the show. State Representative Val Regatus. Hey, Val, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Sam. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Listen, it's you know our pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time to join us and our listeners today. So, hey, um, for some of our folks, like I know you very well, but some of our folks may not. Do you want to like share a little bit about your background, what led you to run for the state house, and uh, you know some of the things you're working on there today? Sure. Well, first of all, my, my district is the 44th district, and it's often known as the uh, Pittsburgh Airport area, uh, which includes uh, the Moon Township, uh, Finley, North Fayette, which is the school district of West Allegheny, and the uh, Quaker Valley, which is the Quaker Valley School District. So that's the area that I represent. And it's an area that I grew up in, and uh, I've, it's just been an absolute pleasure to represent uh, the, my, my hometown neighborhood, first of all. Now, yeah, you've been on, in the house since 2019, correct? Cor- uh, correct. That was the first term. Absolutely. You know, well, you, you asked the well, you asked the question about what you know, led me to to run. Uh-huh. And, you know, first and f- foremost, really, is that representing the community that I, that I grew up on in is an absolute honor to do so. But I had spent the previous 25 years running my own business, uh, kind of getting involved uh, in in politics along the way, uh, both supporting candidates and trying to find candidates and always felt that, that, you know, we just need more good people to run. And uh, when I found out that my predecessor was retiring, it was an opportunity for me to, to jump in after spending 25 years in the private sector. And uh, that, that opportunity presented itself. Well, thank you for stepping up. I mean, we had, <clears throat> I remember there was a spirited primary back then, you know, you emerged victorious and uh, I think you've done a lot of great work for us there in Harrisburg and hopefully that that's going to continue. Well, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I always say about uh, running for a state house seat or or Harrisburg in general is that our job here in Western Pennsylvania is to bring the tax dollars you pay into the general fund to bring those dollars back to the community so that it benefits the community. And, and I, I always say that that's my first job uh, as a state representative is to bring the, the tax dollars you, you put in, bring them back to, to the Western Pennsylvania. Are there any projects in your district that you're particularly proud of right now? Well, we, there's there's a lot of things going on. Well, you know, having the, the Pittsburgh airport being smack dab right in the center of the entire district, mm-hmm. uh, there's clearly the, the, the projects that are going on in the airport. 
We, we also have a lot of really phenomenal assets like the uh, Pittsburgh Botanical Gardens. Uh, those are also expanding, and hopefully that, that that will be a world-class botanical garden that will compete with the likes of Longwood Garden and those areas of, of, uh, on the other part of the state. Mm-hmm. We, we also have, uh, well, in this 44th district, there's uh, three Amazon warehouses, so that brings a lot of jobs to the community as well as the airport. Uh, so those are projects, and of course we've got a lot of uh, development areas like in um, the, uh, along uh, the southern part of the district, which uh, has you know warehouses, warehousing space. We have a lot of commerce, so there's a lot of things that are going on for sure. Oh yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, uh, you and I work closely and are very familiar with our work at the airport. You know, yes. and Christina Casotas, the uh, CEO of the Airport Authority, is doing a phenomenal job out there. So you know, whether it's the new terminal modernization project, whether it's the neighborhood 91, you know, and creating what we hope to be the epicenter for additive manufacturing here in the Northeast or, or, or any of the other projects. How about the microgrid project, right? Well, there, and, you know, and I wanted to get into the specifics because the airport really has had that as a, a just a phenomenal source of attraction to, to business in the area. Uh, the microgrid uh, is, is the first of its kind. is going to run the airport uh, on uh, have its own grid, and it's going to be both solar and and of course natural gas, uh, which is on the property. And then when you mentioned neighborhood 91, the, the, attracting businesses that will be able to come to Pittsburgh as a destination for both business and pleasure is is an absolute. Um, I guess it's a phenomenal way to to attract people to come to the Pittsburgh area as a destination. Oh, no, a- a- absolutely. You know, and I, I brought some of that up because, I mean, I know that you're a small business owner and you also sit as the chair of the Commerce Subcommittee on Small Business, you know, in the House. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, the, this, you mentioned about the committee. So, yes, the Commerce Committee is an absolutely important commer- uh, committee to, to participate in because, it really helps these small businesses and some of the things that we're trying to do is, is, you know, whether it be lowering taxes or providing incentives for businesses to start because, you know, Pennsylvania recently just reduced the corporate net income tax and going from the second highest corporate net income tax in the nation uh, to now being phased down uh, sort of to be little middle, middle of the pack in the next couple of years. Hopefully those types of things will bring business into into this area for sure. The, the Commerce Committee in general, uh, as I said, I, as you pointed out that I'm the chair of the small the subcommittee on small business, uh, we, we want to hear from small businesses of what they're doing. And one of the, uh, the, the concerns I have and one of the reasons why, going back to your original question, why I ran for office is that small businesses are just being um, – you know, they're just being chipped away at one by one, and healthcare for small businesses is huge. So one of the bills that I had introduced is uh, to allow association health plans to go back to allowing small businesses to pool together uh, to be able to provide affordable health care for uh, their employees. And that's something that the Affordable Care Act actually took away. So the Affordable Care Act became not only – Punitive, but it was also discriminatory against small business, and I, I hope to fight that fight and and change that. Well, thank you. And you know, you know, here we are. We're sitting here uh, in early September, 2022. It seems like a you know light years ago that we were dealing with the pandemic, but it was only just two short years ago, and our small businesses were devastated when Governor Wolf just closed everything down, you know, and forced. Uh, folks to apply for waivers and, you know, government picking and winners and losers and trying to say, well, hey, you're, you're an uh, a essential business, you know, and someone else isn't. But meanwhile, you found had folks that were uh, closed down because they weren't essential, but yet their competitor was open right down the street. You know, well, how did that, right. I mean, you know this because this is what you're working on. You're trying to help these small businesses. So, you know, what are you hearing from the folks out there? Well, you know, the, the, the problem was a lack of consistency throughout the pandemic. Uh, there was, you know, treating some businesses differently than others, and that's just basically unfair. You pointed out that there were some businesses 
that uh, one business in one same sector could be given a waiver and the other one was not. Uh, and, and people, that that was just devastating the business, and it was very discriminatory towards smaller businesses. So, for example, we all know that, that you know, the larger box stores were able to stay open, but somebody who had a – and they were selling toys, for example, but yet a small toy store had to close down. Uh, that was super problematic, and we were just on the phone nonstop trying to get these waivers for uh, many of these businesses, and um, – we're just glad that's over. But you know what? We have a lot of work to do to make up for these these businesses that were shut down for a period of time who did not get pandemic dollars because a lot of those pandemic dollars uh, went to the, some of the larger businesses who already had bank accounts or accounts already established uh, with, with the big banks. And then what happened was is by the time some of these smaller businesses got around to applying, they uh, – they ran out of money. And and what's even worse is that I always said that it was government's way to uh, to, to to transfer the unemployment uh, level to to small businesses, because many of these people who took small these PPP loans, they were shut down. They were shut down by the government. So while they took these loans and they were there paying their employees who were not permitted to work, in essence, they they were. Uh, 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 they were an extension of, of government's unemployment and uh, didn't have any, weren't able to produce the, in their business to show for it. Well, and, and you know, not only did they, I mean, it was a double whammy because they were shutting these businesses down, but also what was happening was the uh, unemployment department, the Department of Labor and Industry here in Pennsylvania was not ready or able to address the workers that Wolf put out of work. And I mean, you had millions of people that were struggling for months trying to get unemployment. I mean, they really put the average Pennsylvanian or the worker who wasn't who who was displaced or laid off really behind the eight ball. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, we're we're still handling some of that stuff now, but it was just nonstop. And 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 you know, I was asked in the news that well, how are we going to solve this unemployment problem? Uh, because they they pointed to software problems and. And stuff within the department, and plus also remember the governor laid off a number, not laid off, but um, had people work from home, and so there was half the staff uh, that should have been in 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 UC and other places in, in the governor's office. But what what was really remarkable is that um, you know when I was asked well, how are we going to solve this problem, and I said the only way to solve this problem is get people back to work. And that we don't have to worry about a, 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 an unemployment comp system uh, that was just so deficient. Oh, it's, it, it, it was a mess. And again, you know, uh, that's an unemployment compensation system in which they had spent hundreds of millions of dollars on just a few years ago. They were supposed to upgrade the whole system, and they certainly right. didn't do that. Right, right, and in fact, uh, apparently the, the the payouts were made for the um, the contractor to do it, and uh, and 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 half only half of them were half of the, uh, the the changes were done. But as I said, you know, the only way to solve that problem uh, is not with software, but getting people back to work. Oh, absolutely. Well, so here we are today. You know, you've just gone through redistricting. You know, has your district changed at all? Well, that, that's an absolutely great question. Uh, you know, redistricting uh, is, is done every 10 years. And one of the things that I don't think I realized prior to getting into office was that it was done every 10 years and it was only started um, in, in 1970, or I should say 1969 or 68 when it was established. To, to The first one was in 1970. And it was really fascinating to see how the changes are or were over even the last hundred years. So you can actually see those changes in the maps and the districts and, and, and how that was developed. But the 44th district uh, had, had, had grown so tremendously that, that in the last census 10 years ago, that, uh, you know, we're only supposed to have 62,000 residents in the district. And it, and there's been so much growth in the 44th district over the last decade that we we were almost servicing uh, seventy two thousand people, almost ten thousand more uh, in in, uh, in in prior to redistricting. So the uh, the redistricting removed Ohio Township from the district and then added Leeton Leedsdale. So now we will have in the forty fourth district 
all of Quaker Valley School District, all of Moon School District, and all of West Allegheny School District. Okay. Well, so the, for, for, for you in particular, the changes to the district were relatively minor, you know, swapping, giving you Lee, Leedsdale and swapping out Ohio Township. Okay. Correct. You know, so, th- well, that's good to know that the three big school districts, you know, you've retained. So, uh, yeah, and, ma- and, 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 and it's also really helpful to um, all the, the 11 uh, boroughs and municipalities in the Quaker Valley, not only to just be a same part of the school district, but, but a number of the, it enables a number of the, the, the other things like water, sewer, police, uh, to all be within one house seat, and it'll be in the first time in a long time in one house seat, one Senate, one Senate, a uh, state Senate seat, and uh, one congressional seat. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays on November. Now, you have an opponent, don't you? I have an opponent. Yeah, somebody okay. who had uh, had a they did a write-in on the Democrat side. Okay, and I believe this is a former uh, teachers' union uh, representative. Well, I think. Well, I, I, I'm not sure whether she's former, but she's very active. And, uh, you know, what's fascinating is that um, uh, her biggest claim to fame was uh, suing the West Allegheny School District in the 80s uh, for lowering taxes. <laughs> I have never heard of anybody that has that platform that, uh, you know, they, they sued a school district for lowering taxes. Well, that, that that's frightening to think of that. And then I don't know if you saw the news that dropped on Thursday, but, you know, studies have shown that the pandemic, the shutdowns, you know, our fourth grade reading and math scores for our students, you know, have suffered the biggest drop in decades. Okay. And a lot of this was precipitated and driven, you know, by the teachers unions, you know, talking to Tom Wolf. So these mandates for school closures, you know, together with the masking and things like that, you know, for a group that science tells us today was at minimal risk, okay? Uh, I, I believe these folks should be held accountable, and I hope that people absolutely. do hold them accountable on November 8th. Well, a- absolutely, and, and you know, one of the things that, uh, that it showed this backlash of, of, of these excessive mask mandates um, that, that the general population did not want is that uh, in this last year, Moon, Moon Township uh, wiped out the entire school board and replaced them because they were so unhappy with the decisions that were made that they felt that were not made based on the kids uh, and the students. It was based on just closing down the school. Now, what's really fascinating is that West Allegheny School District stayed open the entire time. Mm-hmm. They, um, they, well, I should say they, they, they opened in, in the fall with a hybrid system and you know what? They were the first to be back, and um, and all of Allegheny County. I don't know if you knew this, Sam, but all of Allegheny County they had the lowest cases of COVID throughout 2020 and 2021. Oh wow! You know, I wasn't aware of that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know, uh, I, and that that means that my tax dollars that I paid to the West Allegheny School District were well spent. You know, thank well, you for. Yeah. Well, and you know what? It, it, you know, I, what I what I always pose that question during 20 and 2021 is. Is anyone looking into that, and, and why is that that they have the lowest? You know, I'm, I'm not saying that, that one decision was right or wrong, but when all of a sudden you see these facts right in front of you and people weren't, weren't really addressing or wanting to know why, uh, that's a real problem. But I, I kudos to the West Allegheny School District for making the hybrid system work and uh, getting those kids back in school and keeping them in school. Well, I'm sure that these folks out there appreciate it, and uh, thank you for your support. For those school districts. Now, one of the other things I'd like to talk to you about here in the time we have remaining is something that most of our listeners have never, ever heard of. It's called the common level ratio. (laughs) And that's going to be some big news here in Allegheny County because uh, folks have sued and it looks like they're going to win this case. You know, I think it's pending appeal, but they're going to win this case. And uh, what it appears to have happened is that many of the people who have bought new homes for at least the past six years have been paying more taxes than they owe. And uh, it's not just a matter of the number being set from the county, but it's a matter that that assessed value. And and for for the folks who don't know, what happens is a common level ratio gives a number. 
and I think it was like 0.81 something. So if you bought a new house for $100,000, you know, you would multiply that times 0.81, you would be assessed in an assessed value of $81,000. And that's the value that your county, your municipality, and your school district would tax you on. Well, for the last six years in well over 10,000 properties, you know, people have bought homes and buildings in which that was almost, you know, based upon what we're being told, almost 20 points higher than it needed to be. So, yeah, and, when, and when you say, you know, 20 points to be, you know, you, you know, I always use the term, it's, it was 80% of the actual sale value. And just think, you're paying 20% more than you should should be paying mm-hmm. and and you know it's called a common level ratio for a reason is that every everyone should be paying a, a taxes on on parity and based on um a common level ratio and but what was happening is that a lot of these uh, school districts were picking and choosing not only methodologies um on how they would tax you whether it be um, based on uh, that ratio of an actual sale, or if it was uh, another number based on uh, the, the the reassessment that was countywide re- reassessment that was done in 2013 or 2012. And what's really unfair about it is that they were picking and choosing. And that's you know, as I started the conversation, is people just want to be treated fairly, and to know that your school districts. We're picking and choosing methodology to tax you on uh, based on where they can get the most tax dollars is just pretty troublesome. Oh, very troublesome, I would say. You know, but I think the other part of this is because um, school districts and things like that base their revenues and budgets off of the tax base that they have in a municipality, you know, to have that all of a sudden change. You know, what type of havoc could potentially that wreak in regards to uh, school budgets? Well, you're, you're right. And, and that's, you know, this is where the, the, the chickens come home to roost is that uh, if these ratio uh, gets, if the, if the lawsuit wins where the ratio is, as you said, down in the 60s and people have been paying in the 80s, uh, you're going to see a lot of people uh, appeal what they currently have. People who've purchased new homes in the last five years, let's say, uh, they're going to start then saying, well, wait a minute, I'm going to go back and appeal my assessment. And you're right, it's going to wreak havoc because they're going to have to answer to how they were taxing people uh, on on various different levels. And by the way, most of these these uh, school districts, the, the, the folks that are coming up with these appraisal numbers or these, these comparatives, they're not even certified uh, appraisers. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to appraise a house and go based on a appraisal value, it should be somebody who's actually certified to do this, not somebody that's looking at pictures and saying, oh, that house looks like yours. Right. Well, we, this was just brought up at our last county council meeting here in Allegheny County. And uh, I'm sitting down with the gentleman who's been acting as a consultant you know, in this particular case uh, next week to try to learn more about this in the potential effects. But, you know, you get, if you're one of the people that have been harmed by this, it's, you know, what happens next? I mean, what, what do you get? Do they refund you your money? You know, will you get a tax credit? I mean, you know, so there, there's a lot, there's still a lot to learn about that. And like I said, many of our listeners today may not have heard about it, but they're certainly going to hear about it soon. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, I think there's a there's a Facebook page uh, called um, the the newcomer tax uh, because again when you move into a new neighborhood and, and you buy a home and uh, you could be paying uh, because you get reassessed at this eighty percent you could be paying uh, the same amount as somebody who has you know um, five times as much uh, square footage as you do uh, mm-hmm. and again people just want fair people I don't think people mind paying taxes they just want to know that that it's fair. Oh, I, I think that's what we all want to know, right? I mean, no one likes paying taxes. I certainly don't. <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, uh, for people in Pennsylvania or around here, for most folks, you know, their property taxes, their school tax is probably the highest tax, you know, that they pay potentially, you know, maybe even including or outside of their federal income tax. So this is a big deal, folks. 
and look forward to hearing more about that. Now, absolutely, Representative Gatos, you know, you've done such a great job you're representing the folks in the 44th district since you've been elected to the House. Um, if folks want to help you continue, where would they go to sign up to volunteer to work for you or to help donate to your campaign? Well, thank you so much, Sam, for mentioning that because we, we really need to have be all part of one team and everybody helping each other to to try to, as I always say, you know, I, I stand for lower taxes, less government, more freedom. And that's really the Republican Party. And uh, so if they want to help me out here, go to votevaleriegatos.com. And there's my phone number. I'll give you my phone number is 412-528-1360. Would love to have you come help me knock on doors in my district and um, and any kind of help that you can provide would be terrific. VoteValerieGatos.com. And do you want to spell that for them? Yes. V-O-T-E, of course, vote, 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 but V-O-T-E-V-A-L-E-R-I-E-G-A-Y-D-O-S.com. Well, that's great. Great, Valerie. Now, hey, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners out there today uh, before we uh, before you have to go? Well, you know, Sam, I appreciate all the work that you know you're doing to try to you know, help all of the candidates out there. We really need to get Republicans out there to to to, to vote. Don't give up. Uh, there's a lot of frustration in the election system. We know that, but you know what? You can't change it until we win it. And so, get out there, vote, 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 and um, vote in person. And uh, let's stick with the team. Well, listen, I you already have one vote, and that's going to be mine. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Look forward to supporting you on November 8th. Representative Valerie Gatos, folks. Uh, Valerie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sam. Thanks. Folks, this has been a great episode here today of The Elephant in the Room. We had Senator Kim Ward in our first segment. In our second segment, we've had Representative Valerie Gatos, both talking about issues that are important for this upcoming election. Uh, until next week, you know, when you join us again, on the Elephant in the Room, WJAS 1320 AM, this is Sam DeMarco, your host, signing off. Have a great day. Thanks.